Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Principles of Bible Interpretation. Last month, I was teaching on developing your mind. You will see in the declaration, we always say, I have the mind of Christ. Somebody say, I have the mind of Christ. That is what it means. That mind of Christ is a developed mind. Amen. You will see in the team also that we make a statement that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it means that you must know the word of God and you must know how to interpret the word of God. You must know how to understand the word of God so that you will have light on your path. So that you will not be like somebody who is walking in the dark. Because people who walk in the dark, they stumble and they get hurt and they, their feet bleed all the time. And they fall often and often. Hallelujah. And they don't see when the enemy is coming, where there is evil on the way. They can even step on snakes because they are walking in the dark. But God doesn't want you to walk in the dark. Amen? So we are looking at the principles that govern Bible interpretation. The book of Hebrews chapter 1, which I want to begin with, is going to be one of our main texts for this month. All right, so turn to your Bible if you have a Bible. These are the teachings that the devil actually doesn't like. You know, the devil likes when they tell you that, I mean, you're going to get a visa, you're going to get to America. How will you go to America? That's what the devil doesn't like. He likes it when they tell you you go to America. But he doesn't like it when they are teaching you how you can go to America and not go and be a beggar. Amen? He said, God who at various times, everybody say various times, and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So in the past, how was God speaking? He was speaking through prophets to our fathers. When we say fathers, it means people in Bible days in the past. That means from the Old Testament up to the time of the New Testament. So in the past, God spoke through the prophets. Amen? But in verse 2, it says has in these last days spoken to us. Somebody say us. He has spoken to us by who? His son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Amen. So in the verse 1 says that God in various times and various ways. Somebody say various times. So God spoke. But he spoke at various times. I'll explain that. And he also spoke in various ways. Everybody say various times. And in various ways. Various times. And in various ways. Amen. In the past, he spoke in various ways through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. It means today if you want to hear God, who should you go to? The son. Everybody say the son. And the son is talking about who? Jesus, shout his name loudly like you are not afraid. All right. So one and only way God speaks to us today is through Jesus. Very, very important. Now, if we go to the book of John chapter 1, John makes us understand that Jesus is the same as the word of God. So God spoke to us through Jesus. And the implication is that he speaks to us today. Through the word of God. 
Let me say it better. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 is saying that he has spoken to us by his son. Amen. Jesus Christ. But the means by which Jesus speaks to us today is through the word of God. Now, why do I say that? Now, look at John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So, in the beginning was what? The word. The word was with God. And the word was God. How many understand that statement? Yeah. God and his word are the same. God and his word are one. It's like Pastor Hubert. How many of you can hear my words? How many of you can hear me? Is the same. Is it not the same? My words and myself, we are the same. I cannot come here and stand and say, oh, last Sunday, it was my words that said, so, so, and so, so, and so, it was not me. I cannot distance myself from my word. If I tell you today that next Sunday I'm going to give you a million dollars, I cannot come next Sunday and say, oh, it wasn't me, it was my word. Does it make sense? So God and his word are one. Everybody say God and his word are one. Verse 2, it says, all things were made by him. He was in the beginning with God. Anywhere you find God, you find his word. That's what it means. Amen? Because God and his word, any person is inseparable from his word. So he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Amen? So all things were made through him. Who is that him? The word. Now, the Bible says from verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 2 says he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, the Word suddenly is being referred to as Him. All things were made by Him. Amen? Amen. All things were made by Him. And without Him, nothing was made. How did God create the earth? He spoke. Let there be light. And whatever He said... His word created what he spoke. That's how powerful the word of God is. Amen. Yeah, when he speaks, the words carry the same power as God himself. And the words create. So the Bible said, all things were made or created through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. But the important thing is that in verse 3, you see that the word suddenly becomes like a person. Verse 4. In him was life. Who is he talking about? The word that is being referred to as a person in him was life. And the life was the light of man. Verse 5. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Verse 8. He was not that light. That is, John was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So now, suddenly we see the word. In verse 3, the word was, began to be described as him, as a person. From verse 5, the word is being described as a light. Hallelujah. A light. John was sent to bear witness of a light. 
And that light, what kind of light is it? He said, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Now, verse 8 said, it is the true light. Verse 7. He said, this man came for a witness to bear witness of, the, of that light that all through him might believe. Verse 8. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Amen. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You know, when you start reading John, you'll be wondering, I mean, he's just talking from today. He said, you know, this, the word. Another time he said him. Then another time he said light. Another time he said he. I mean, you wonder what he's talking about. Amen. Verse 12. He said, but as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. Now we get to find out who is John really trying to talk about. Amen. Verse 14. You begin to understand all the long talk about, you know, who, who was he talking about? He said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld, the word behold means to see. In other words, we saw his glory. And what was the glory? He said, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the word that was in the beginning, the word that was God, the word that created everything, the Bible said that one day, that word became what? Flesh. Became human. Amen? In other words, God took his word, hallelujah, and gave it flesh. And it became human. And that human being was conceived in the womb of a virgin. And that virgin, after nine months, gave birth to a baby boy. And they called him the son of God. Amen. That is a miracle that we call the miracle of incarnation. Incarnation means God's word taking on human form. That is why Mary didn't need to be impregnated by a man. Because it was a miracle of God's word taking on human form so that that human being will be the son of God and do the will of God and the work of God on earth and reconcile mankind back to God. Many times people ask me, how can that miracle happen? You know, how can it happen that a virgin will be pregnant and we say that it was the Holy Spirit and that it was a miracle? There is no human being that was ever born without an affair and a conception. What about Adam? What about Adam? Adam was not born. He was not a product of any woman and man. God created him. And the same God who created Adam is the one who created Christ. And Christ was himself. Amen? Taking the form of flesh, human being. Because God is a spirit. And a spirit cannot come to the earth and redeem mankind. So he had to take on human form. Amen. Amen. So we Christians believe that Jesus was conceived of a virgin without an affair. If you don't believe that, you are not, you are not a Christian. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld. So the word of God was in the beginning. Listen, in the beginning, Jesus 
was there, but he was not there. Let me say it better. In the beginning, Jesus was there, but he was not there as a human being. In the beginning, Jesus was there as the word. Amen? Yeah. When the time of salvation, he translated himself from the word and became a human being. That is why one day he looked at the Pharisees and he told them, before Abraham was, I am. And they said, you small boy, we saw you when you were born, roaming about, doing carpentry work. Now you said, Abraham has seen you. You know, it, does, it didn't make sense to them. But that is what makes him God. Amen? So we come back to Hebrews 1 verse 1, that God spoke in various times, various ways, through the prophets, but in this last day, he has spoken to us through his son. Amen? That means that the principal way by which God speaks to us today is through the word of God. It's through the word of God. So you want to hear God's voice, you want to know God's voice, you want to hear God speaking to you, it is through his word. So one thing the devil hates is a Christian who is passionate about the word of God. A Christian who is passionate about the word of God. The devil hates people hearing the word of God. The devil hates Christians reading the word of God. That's why the easiest way to sleep, fall asleep is take your Bible. I can guarantee you, you will sleep soon. Because the devil will prefer you watch movies than read your Bible. The devil will prefer you stay on social media and read your Bible. Amen? Yeah, that is why every now and then you meet people complaining they don't have phone. But you, you scarcely hear Christians complaining they don't have a Bible. In fact, today after church, if somebody's Bible is missing, it will not be news. I will never hear it. I will not be told. It will be nothing. But if somebody's phone is missing today, it will be news. Because we value the phone more than the Bible. That is why we are not prospering. And that is why our life is not doing well and going forward. The devil doesn't have a problem with you going to church. In fact, Friday I was saying that, you see, when you go to church without practicing the word, you are a religious person, but you are not a believer. The devil has no problem with you going to church. He has a problem with you hearing the word, understanding the word, practicing the word, believing the word. That's what he has a problem with. That's why you never feel sleepy during praise and worship. You never feel sleepy during prayer time. You feel sleepy only during the preaching. Hallelujah. Yeah, because, yeah, as long as he can keep you from hearing the word, your prayer is going nowhere. Your praise and worship is nothing. Yeah, it is a word person, a word believer, whose prayer is dynamic, whose praise and worship is outstanding. So we have many people who go to church who don't believe the word. They don't believe the word. They don't practice the word. They don't believe the word. They don't practice the word. Hallelujah. Yeah, many people who go to church, they don't believe the word. They don't practice the word. Ask your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and tell him and ask him, are you a word believer? I, I get, get an answer. I say, tell him I want an answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. The devil hates churches that teach the word of God. The devil hates churches that preach the word of God. Because 
He is scared of such a church because in such a church, people are bound to be successful and prosperous. There is more prosperity in a church that teaches the word of God than a church that prays. Believe me. The devil hates preachers who teach the word of God properly. So because the word of God is the only thing that has power to change your life. Because it's the only means by which God can speak to you. How many of you would love to hear God speak to you? Let me see. The only way by which God can speak to you is through his word. Today, today, hearing God through prophets is in the Old Testament. Have you seen it in the Bible? Yeah, it's, it's still there. In various times and various ways, he spoke to us, to, not even to us. He spoke to the fathers through the prophets. Amen. Amen. Today, the office of the prophet is not to give God's word to people. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that is in the Old Testament. Amen. Today, the office of the prophet is, number one, to reveal Christ, to make Christ known to the believer. Amen. Yeah, to honor and magnify Christ. That is the first thing. The other purpose of the office of the prophet is to create an atmosphere by which believers can reach out by faith and receive blessings and miracles. The third purpose of prophets is to warn the church. Are you understanding me? Today, all I want to tell you is that hearing God through a prophet is in the Old Testament. Today, the principal way by which God wants to speak to you is through his word. Amen. He said, in verse 2, he said, in these last days, he has speaking to us through his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Then the second thing I want to say is that God gave us his word through people who wrote the word. Human beings wrote the Bible. But the Bible has no error. I will explain that. The Bible has no error. It doesn't need modification. It is not outdated. It's not, it's not a cake. The Bible is perfect. Theologians say that it is inerrant. Inerrant means that it is void of any error. Let's read um, Psalm 12, verse 6. Just that one will be now. Psalm 12, verse 6 says that, can we read it together, everybody? Ready, go. The words of the Lord. Amen. Now, you see the word, the word Lord written in capitals. It is to tell you that that is referring to scripture. Amen. The words of the Lord. Somebody say the words of the Lord. All right. The Bible said the words of the Lord, first and foremost, it is what? Pure words. So when they say something is pure, it means it is 100% perfect. Pure words. Now, how did it become pure? It went through a process. It's a, it is like silver that is refined. Now, if you know a little bit about refinery, you see that any metal, gold, silver, and all that, even oil, when you get it from the ground, it's not pure. Is it not true? It's not pure. You have to Especially those of, those of you who have seen galamse before, you understand. You have to do a lot of galamse activity to get your gold from the sand. So the Bible says that God's word is like silver that was taken raw from the ground and refined. And when they refined it, they got the pure metal out. And 
to emphasize the, the perfection of the scriptures, the Bible says that it was purified seven times. The word seven, it means, it means perfection. It's the number of perfection. The Bible is just trying to say that God did a perfect work on his own word before he gave it to us. Amen? So, God wrote his word through people, but he ensured that what they wrote was 100% his thoughts and his own words. In other words, God edited the book before he gave it to us. Took out all the human elements. Took out all the exaggerations. If you have written a book before, you see that before a book comes out, especially if it's a good book, like my book, all right, you know, before one book comes out, there's a lot of work that goes on. You have to work on it yourself, read through several times, give it to other people to read, and then give it to English scholars to edit it and make sure that every statement expresses your intentions. Because you can write one thing and not mean what you wrote. Amen? God edited it and, and made sure it is perfect. You see, that is why today, the word of God, there is no mistake in it. And so, if you live your life by the word, you will never make mistakes in life. You will never run into problems. You will never be frustrated. You will never struggle. Amen. Now, how did God give us his word? How did it happen that today we have a Bible? How did it happen? Today, I want us to look at that. God gave us his word. If you go to the book of 2 Timothy 3.16, we will see how the word of God came about. The word of God came about, 2 Timothy 3.16. Can we read it together? Ready, go. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Amen. So how was the scriptures given to us? By a miracle called inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. Now, the word inspiration has a lot of use in our contemporary English language. Well, when somebody is inspired, it means he's he is stimulated to say something, write something, do something which is out of the ordinary. Let me give you examples. Anytime we hear certain songs, if you talk to the singer, he will tell you that he was there and he got inspired to write a song. Are you understanding? Yeah. Sometimes uh, write, uh, people who are writers, they, they will tell you that they got inspired to write something. Inspiration comes different from even artists. You see a painting on the wall. He said, how did you decide to paint this? And we tell her that he was just there and he got inspired. So inspiration simply means that somebody is stimulated to do something out of the ordinary that is around his, his gifting or ability. So people are inspired to write songs. People are inspired to even movie directors will, will tell you sometimes they, they are thinking about how best to set a particular uh, part of a movie. And an idea just came. That is an inspiration. Amen. All right. But in the Bible, but in the Bible, this word inspiration as used 
uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it means God briefing out his thoughts into people for them to write. Let me say it again. Inspiration means God influencing people to write exactly what his thoughts and intentions are concerning every subject matter of life. So, God breathed out his words, his thoughts. He put it in people. Amen? And this thing comes in different ways. The people who wrote the Bible, let's go to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Let's look at it, everybody. He said, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, look at verse 20 again. You know, the scriptures did not come by people's private ideas. Hello? The people wrote the Bible. They didn't just get up and decide and felt and were happy and decided to write something. Sometimes you read said a psalm. David will write, praise the Lord for his good. It was, he didn't just get up and something good happened and he was happy and he wrote. The Bible said every part of scripture is not of any private interpretation. It, it means that it has nothing to do with people's personal intentions. Or ideas or thoughts. But, verse 21, holy men, everybody say holy men. That means people that are not likely to tell a lie. People that are godly. They spoke as they were what? They were what? Moved or influenced. These holy men came under the influence of the Spirit. And I want to show you a different example. Takes us back to Hebrews chapter 1. Let me show you why I said you highlight that. Now, the Bible said, God who at various times and in various ways spoke. So, the Bible was given to us by inspiration, but the inspiration, it came to people in various ways, different ways. Amen? Yeah, different ways. And I'll show you some of the examples. I cannot take you through all, but I'll show you some examples. The first example I'll show you is that some of the people who wrote the Bible, God spoke to them directly. They heard the voice of God. We call it verbal communication. God spoke to them directly. In Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 1, God spoke to them directly. Some of the prophets wrote something that God spoke to them about. He said, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, that speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken. I have what? So how did Jeremiah receive the word of the Lord? God spoke to him. Amen? And after God has finished talking, God said, Jeremiah, go take your notebook and write everything I told you. So the book of Jeremiah, this is how it came. God spoke to him. Amen. Amen. God spoke to him and he wrote them. Some of the writers of the scripture, according to um, 2 Peter 1 verse 21 that says, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the spirit. 
One of the examples is that God spoke to some of the writers and they wrote, they wrote the scriptures. Some people also wrote the scriptures because they were there when the thing was happening. We call it personal experience. Second Peter 1 16, Peter said, I was an eyewitness. <laughs> it's not like they say, they say. I was there. I saw Jesus when he raised the dead. I saw him when he multiplied the five loaves of bread. He said, I was there. I saw, I was there on the mountain when a voice said, this is my beloved son. He said, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables. He said, we are not trying to preach crafty lies. Amen. Stories that are shrouded in, in, in lies. That's not what we are saying. He said, when we made to you the power of and coming of our Lord, he said, he said, but we were eyewitnesses. So you read the Gospels, you will see people, records of people that were there when the thing was happening. Amen? And they wrote it. Hallelujah. All right. There is also another category of people who wrote the scriptures through personal revelation. Personal revelation. For example, the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, it was written by one of the apostles of Jesus Christ called John. John was thrown into an island to die. But on that island, Jesus visited him in visions. And Jesus told him to write it. If you read the Revelation, you see that John, John said most of the visions that he got, he got them on Sunday, on the last day. He said, I was in the spirit on the last day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. So John saw visions. If you read the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, you will see a lot of visions that they saw and God asked them to write them down. Another important example is Moses. You know, Moses. Moses wrote the book of Genesis from the beginning of creation. How did he know how God created the earth? How did Moses know? Now, Moses wrote the book of Genesis right from the beginning because when Moses went to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, the Bible said Moses was fasting without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and he stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights before he came down with the tablets of stone and the laws. During that 40 days and 40 nights, God gave him a revelation about the beginning of time. So when Moses came, he wrote that. And so the Bible said the holy men of God, they were moved by the spirit. Now why would God reveal that to Moses? Because God wants us to know. He wants us to know how he created mankind, the beginning of life. He wants us to know. He has to reveal it to somebody. And he found that in Moses. Hallelujah. Now, other people also wrote the scriptures by listening to people who were eyewitnesses. For example, the Gospel of Mark was written by a young man called John Mark, who was a disciple of Peter. John Mark was one of the people who served Peter for a long time. If you read the book of First Peter, you'll find his name there. The Gospel of Mark actually is Peter's account of Jesus. 
But Mark took the records, put it together into a book. Then we have the Gospel of Mark. Are you with me? Luke. Let's read the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke said, he wrote the book of Luke because he said, inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. You see? He said, those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. So, Luke wrote the book of Luke listening to the other apostles about the teachings of Jesus and then he put them together. So, the Bible said God in various ways spoke in time past. And that is what I'm trying to explain. He, he spoke in various ways. Some of them received the inspiration through visions like Moses did, like John. Some of them were eyewitnesses. They experienced the incident as it was happening. Some of them were people who listened to eyewitnesses that were there. Some of them were people that God spoke to physically. Now, let me say the last of all. The last one is God himself wrote with his finger. Hallelujah. Yeah. The Bible says that on Mount Sinai, God used his finger to write the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone. Moses did not write it. In fact, can a human being write something on stone? Only God can do it. So, in this book called the Bible that we have, we have a part that was not written by any human being. God himself put his, his fingerprints inside the book to make everybody know that this book is my book. That is why we can afford to put our faith on every word of scripture. Amen. Let me talk a little bit about the various times. You know, the important thing that makes the Bible the most unique of all other books in the world is that the Bible is the only book in the world that took the longest period to write. The longest period to write. Do you know how long the Bible was written? 1,600 years. That's what the Bible said. God who at various times, various times, different times, God at various times and in various ways spoke. I was talking about the various ways that he spoke. Now, I want you to look at the various times. God spoke within a period of 1,600 years. If you travel from Genesis to Revelation, the time period is 1,600 years. Amen. Yeah. And the number of people who wrote the Bible are 40 in number. 40 people. Now, if 40 people wrote one book, Within the time period of 1,600 years, it means that some of them never met each other. So, Moses never met David. Hallelujah. Samuel never met Peter. Apostle Paul and Isaiah, they never met. Because one died long time before the other was even born. Matthew never met Joshua. You know, people wrote a portion, one book, died, 100 years later, somebody else is born, 
The Holy same Holy Spirit that inspired the one who has died comes and inspired another person. He writes. But do you know the wonderful thing about the Bible? Even though 40 different people from different locations, different languages, in fact, the Bible was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. These 40 different people wrote from different locations, different places. Within a period of 1,600 years, they never sat down at a, at a roundtable conference to say, this is the book we are writing. But do you know the miracle? The whole Bible, written by these 40 people, Every book of the Bible, they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. They all have the same message. That is why I can take one statement from Genesis and explain it to you from another statement in Matthew, even though Moses and Matthew, they never met. That is why I can take a scripture in Psalms and explain it to you from Corinthians, even though David and Apostle Paul, they never met. Now, what does this mean? It means that even though 40 different people wrote the scripture, there was one person behind all the 40. And that person is the Holy Spirit. Give the Lord a big clap offering for that. Now, all other religious books are written by one person. Check it out. All of them are written by one person. Amen. But the Bible, 40 people, 1,600 years. But the Bible is a miraculously unique book that speaks of one thing. Because even though the book was humanly written by people, it was divinely inspired by the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the Bible said, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine. I will talk about those four things next Sunday. Doctrine, everyone say doctrine. Yeah, so every time you read the Bible, you look at doctrine. You are looking at reproof. You are looking at uh, correction. And then you are looking at instruction. Now, let me close with this. Let me close with this. Now, the problem... That comes with biblical interpretation. This is where we have a lot of mess in churches. Now, you want to know that, don't you? Now, the question is, if we are all reading the same Bible, we are all following the same Jesus, why are different churches having different practices from the same Bible? You come across somebody, he said, the Bible says this. Another person said, I disagree with it. The Bible didn't actually say this. Where is the problem coming from? Because if we are reading the same Bible, following the same Jesus, when you go through every church, everything we do should be the same. At least the difference should be marginal. What is the problem in the church? The problem is that we don't interpret the scriptures properly. Hallelujah. There is no problem with the Bible. The problem is the way people interpret the scriptures. And this is the reason why many people interpret the scriptures. They tell you that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the book. So he's the one who must give you understanding to it. Have you heard that before? Yeah, they said once you have the Holy Ghost, you have your Bible, you can understand everything in the Bible. In fact, I have Bible for that. John 14 verse 26. This is one of the very 
very scriptures that people call. In fact, some pastors quote this scripture and tell you that even Bible school is not important. It's not necessary. Why should you go to Bible school? The work is, is the Holy Spirit. Once you have the anointing, you know, and then they'll come and say, I have a revelation. This one, God gave me a revelation. Wow. He said, by the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? He will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all things that are said to you. In fact, some people read this scripture and say, if you don't even need to go to church. Just be in the house, take your Bible, have the Holy Ghost, and you are good to go. You will understand everything. Some people would look at young people who have a call of God upon their life. Don't go to Bible school. Don't you see? The Holy Spirit will teach you what? All things. Amen. Let me clarify something. Listen. The Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so, to understand the Bible, you need the Holy Spirit to understand it. Amen? But the Holy Spirit interpret the scriptures to us by working with specific principles. So, if you don't know the principles by which scripture is interpreted, you can have the Holy Ghost, uh, but you will wrongly interpret the scripture and you will mess your life up and probably mess many people up. The reason why we hear a lot of Horrible things on radio. Horrible things, you know, on TV. We watch a lot of horrible things on TV. You know, it's sad that you see more horrible things from churches on TV than the good ones. Is it not sad? Because the good churches have refused to go on TV or on radio. Are you understanding? Yeah. Yeah. You see people preaching and you are wondering. This one is killing people. Because it is not Bible. He's reading Bible, but he's not preaching the Bible. They will tell you, it's in the Bible. Have you seen it? But listen. The Holy Spirit interprets scriptures to us, okay, by certain principles that everyone needs to know. Amen? Now, let's close with the second, second Peter chapter 3 to explain to you what I'm saying. Second Peter 3, verse... 14. I want everybody to read this, so I'm going to wait for you. He said, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Verse 15. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is what? Salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul. Stop there. Who is talking here? Who wrote this, this scripture? Who wrote it? Which book are we reading? Second Peter. Is that not it? So the author, the person who wrote the scripture is what? Peter. Amen? Alright, so Peter is saying something. He said, our beloved brother Paul. Referring to who? Apostle Paul. Our beloved brother Paul. Let's keep reading. According to the wisdom given to him, has what? Written. So Peter was trying to validate the writings of Paul, that they are also inspired by God. So what it means is that anytime you take the Bible and you're reading Peter, you're actually reading God's word. Are you understanding me? Anytime I'm preaching and you hear me saying, oh, Paul said this, David said this, it actually means that beyond Paul or Peter or David, God himself is the one who said it. According to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, Verse 16, as also in all 
all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand. This is why we have the problem. Hard to understand. Let's read on. Which and thoughts and unstable people, what do they do? They twist to their own destruction as they also do the rest of the scriptures. Wow. This is terrible, isn't it? Apostle Peter said, there are some people, which kind of people? Unthought people. Give me amplify for this. Now, he said, unthought people. That's what I'm teaching you today. Say amen to that. Amen. Yeah. That's what I'm teaching you. Because if you are not properly taught, then effect is that you will what? Twist the scriptures. You will twi- Do you understand what it means to twist? It means make the Bible say what it didn't say. And when you twist Bible and apply it to your life, your life becomes twisted. Your marriage is twisted. Your business is twisted. Your pocket is twisted. Your finances is twisted. Your, if you see anybody whose life is twisted, this is the source. Give him this scripture to go and read. He doesn't need prayer. Amen? Amen. Speaking of these things, of this as he does in all his letters, there are some things in those epistles of Paul that are difficult to understand. Which the ignorant and the unstable. You know, the New King James said, unthought. Amplified said, ignorant. And unstable. They twist it and they misconstrue it to their own utter distractions. Just as they distort and what? Misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. Do you know why these brothers are distorting scriptures and misinterpreting scriptures? Because they tell they have the Holy Ghost. They have, the, they have the anointing. They have revelation. You know? Now, anybody who thinks he has a revelation from scripture and that revelation is not subject to correction, is not subject to anybody's um, critique, that person is living dangerously. And you must never follow such a person. That revelation is not coming from God. Amen. They twist it. They misinterpret the scripture. They destroy the scripture. They, they mess people up. You know, you go to churches and people are doing, oh, man, they show, oh, I do this. it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. They will show you everything. They will, they will show you everything in the Bible. Do you know everything bad you want to do, you can find it in the Bible. If I, if I want to cane all of you now, I can give you scripture for it. After all, didn't Jesus beat people in the temple? So I can line all of you up and, and tell you that today the Lord has given me a revelation. And, and anybody who will believe it, you will be blessed. Somebody say amen. Then I cane all of you. And you will not be blessed one bit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what you see in churches. All manner of, of, of fetish practices. Fetish practice in churches. They call it revelation, divine direction, aquantre, and all these things. It's coming from here. And every aquantre you hear a prophet give you, he will give you a scripture for it. He will give you a scripture. Any, any fetish person, anybody who asks you to do anything to get a breakthrough, he will get a scripture and give you. But is that scripture properly interpreted and applied? That is the question. That is the question. They twisted NIV version of this. You need to go home looking at this scripture. Amen. 
He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain something that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scripture. They take Genesis, they mess it up. They take Exodus, they mess it up. They take Matthew, they just humiliate the scripture. They viol- in fact, they violate it. The Bible itself is crying for its human rights to be, you know. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, I can't be, I can't, I can't be twisted like this. You know, some preacher when they are preaching, the Bible is literally screaming. And multitudes of people are being destroyed and misled. That's why I thank God you are here. I said, I thank God you are here. Yeah, ICGC, we believe in sound teaching of scripture. Amen. Because that is where every success and blessing begins from. Sound knowledge of scriptures. That you must know the Bible by yourself. You must be able to tell when something is right or wrong. You must take your Bible, read it and understand it, explain it and apply it. And able to teach others. That is what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about you know nothing. Every day you go and stand before a prophet. He said, take five stones. And take a cup of salt, pour water on the salt, hallelujah, and drop three drops of anointing oil in the oil, and take some 51. Then go around your house seven times. Then they will tell you that, ah, didn't you see that Joshua, he marched around the Jericho wall? Now, is your house Jericho? <laughs> Is your name Joshua? <laughs> Hallelujah. Your house is not Jericho. So I cannot, I cannot be marching around my house in, you know, at midnight in the name of I'm breaking down, you know, Jericho was. My house is not Jericho. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I tell you, people do these things with vim, with seriousness. They do it and pay a lot of money. To these so-called prophets, I pray that the Spirit of God will give you understanding. Amen. God bless you. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.